Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long-term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about social groups in Japan and our socialization. Okay. And the first one that pops out in my mind is the American Chamber of Commerce Japan. But that to me kind of feels like, I don't know, like a low-key country club because it's for me, it's super expensive to belong to. Yes. What do you is. think? I think it is. Okay. Because how much are annual dues for an individual member? 75,000 yen. And so it's like 700, roughly 750 US dollars. I think right now roughly $700, but yeah. And so for me, it's not super expensive because it doesn't even cover any of the things that you would do as a member. So to go to an event that the ACCJ is hosting, you also have to pay to do that. Yes. And the events usually run about 2,000 yen or more. They usually run 4,500 yen or more. Okay. Wow. Yowza. That's expensive. That'll add up. Yes. The 2,000 yen events are an empty room and the 4,000 plus events have food. So. Okay. So you don't mean an empty room. You mean just guests with, I mean, just members with no food. Yeah, that's right. So I, I was the first one to join the chamber and I was a member for about two or three years, I want to say. Um, that's, yeah, that sounds right. Because we went to the mixer together. Yeah, we did. The first, uh, it was the beginning of year party. Right. The Shininkai. And we both attended. And I met a lot of people that I thought were cool. And I saw some people that I already knew. And so I thought being a member would be fun. Mm -hmm. And I joined the independent business committee. That's right. And so as a small business they had a lot of great things that I valued and I really enjoyed the other members, but they held the meetings like right at prime time client time for me. So like a Thursday night at six o'clock is almost always booked for me. Yes. And like the six o'clock slot and the seven thirty slot are almost always booked. So I usually work until 9 PM. So anything that's scheduled Tuesday through Saturday you know, between 6 and 9 p.m., forget about it. I'm not going to be able to attend. And then mid-afternoon, like, sometimes I have time in the mm -hmm. mid-afternoon. So, like, the Women in Business Committee always wanted to meet, like, at Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Right. And I'm booked. I'm like, I have clients. I can't, you know, I'm running my business. So I didn't feel like there was anything any meetings that were consistently at a time where I could go. Even like the big women in business convention that they do every year. One year I took off work and went to the one in Tokyo, which was a lot of fun. And I went with your former boss and we had a great time. And the one, but the ones here in Nagoya, I could never attend those. I always had to choose either Tokyo's event or Nagoya's event. Right. And I would sponsor it. But when I sponsored it, they didn't, always give me what they had agreed to when I sponsored. So I have nothing against the ACCJ. Right. But I just didn't feel like it was value added for me at the, the price tag that it was coming in at. I think a lot of the smaller members, so to be, I'm the treasurer for the regional chapter. So I'm the regional treasurer. A lot of the smaller company members struggle to see the value in it. So in Tokyo, it's a lot easier to see because most of the members are in Tokyo. If you're in Tokyo, there's several things a day that yeah. you can choose from. Here in Nagoya, there's usually a few things a month. 
to choose from and sometimes as few as one event a month. So it is harder if you're not a larger business to kind of well, do I things. Felt, I felt like to the committee heads never polled the members to see when meetings would be most convenient because I knew the heads of the two groups that I belong to. Right. And both of those could have done them on Mondays when I could have attended. Yes. And several other members were like, yeah, Mondays would totally work for me, but nobody was interested. So I didn't feel like the committees really cared whether or not I attended meetings. I think that happens with a lot of volunteer organizations, especially if people pay to belong to the volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. So I've looked at other groups here in Nagoya, like, you know, Kiwanis Club and Rotary and Toastmasters and things. And they just set it for whatever time is convenient for the person running it. Yeah. Which, fair enough, but that does limit its usefulness for the people who are not running it. So what was challenging for me is that all the leaders said that, yeah, Monday would work for them, but they just didn't want to. Right. And so for me, I was like, right on. You can totally make that choice. I'm going to make the choice to leave the chamber. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have any malice or anything, but I think, and I really was promoting the, the chamber and several people from other groups I belong to are now chamber members right. and all of that. Because I do think that the chamber is good for the people who can make time to attend. Yes. And I just don't have that flexibility in my schedule. My schedule is really rigid, which I'm grateful for. So most of the people that I work with have that flexibility. They work for companies that are supportive that give them time off to do it. Yeah. Or they have businesses where their hours are more flexible than yours are. Because they do things like, you know, editing or translation. There's a few people in there that with that where it's not, you know, sitting in the seat with your client. Yeah, so for me, at the beginning, I was scheduling time off and not booking clients in those times mm-hmm. and going. But I have to be honest, while I liked the people, I didn't really feel connected to them in a way that inspired me to build close, intimate relationships with anybody in the chamber. Like, I like them all, but I don't really have a close relationship with any of them. Yeah. And I think if, had I developed a closer relationship, I probably would have, would have stayed. Because you have some really close relationships in the chamber. And I think that's usual for groups of foreigners here in Japan is that if you have something more in common than just being foreign, it's much easier to develop a cohesive group. Yeah. So what more do you have in common with chamber members? Um, when I joined, and until very recently, I had in common that I was trying to promote the business I was working for. And now I have in common that I have an interest in business and a lot of knowledge about it. So I notice now people want to pick my brain about business. Mm-hmm. And I like talking about it. So that's always a balance, though, of, you know, how, at what point am I being exploited? <laughs> but you're joking. That deadpan delivery, people are going to think you're seriously worried about the chamber exploiting you, which you are not. No, I have good boundaries. Yeah. So... For me, I feel like you've developed some friendships because you go to lunches and things outside of of chamber meetings. Yes, correct. So do you feel like that's where your close friendships come from in Japan? 
I think the people that I know here in Japan, with one exception to somebody who lives in Nagoya that I have known since we lived in California. Um, since your undergrad. Yeah, since my undergrad for, what, gosh, like at least 15 years now. Yeah. Um, with that exception, I think that's most of the people I've met, either directly or indirectly. So I've gone to other uh, business-related events, the Greater Nagoya Association and things, and met people. So um, not everybody I know is from there, but most people are tangential, at least. Yeah. So we also tried meetups. Yep. And I think you had a lot of fun at the meetup we went to. I had a lot of fun at the meetup we went to. We went to a cafe, and there were probably 30 people there, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it was a mix of Japanese people and foreign people. And the point was to practice speaking English or Japanese, whichever was not your native language. Yes. I had a lot of fun. It was a kind of a random group of people. Yeah. And so I think if we had continued to go to that and seeing the same people over and over, then might have developed some relationships. But just having the same conversation several times of where are you from what are your hobbies and what do you do for work doesn't build much of a relationship so why didn't you go any other time so i only went once because my japanese level was too low for me to actually participate for me to feel like i was participating during the japanese section nobody was upset with how busted my japanese was right it was just very unfulfilling for me and very time consuming that we met on a sunday and so sunday and mondays are my two days off and usually mondays i'm doing paperwork or writing reports for clients so sunday kind of feels like my only day off and i feel like now you know being in a phd program and well when i was working sunday was the only day that we both had off Yes. And so for me, I just felt like, again, the value added. I didn't right. feel like it was giving me a lot of value added. But I felt for you, there there was a lot of value added. So why didn't you ever go back? I think because I'm autistic. <laughs> right, what does that mean, though? Um, I like people. I'm an extrovert and I like people yeah. a lot. But there's also kind of an initial energy hurdle that I have to get over to go out and meet people. Mm hmm. So if I have some reason to go out, then I'm happy to be out. Mm -hmm. But it's a steep ramp to get there. Like if I have to go grocery shopping and then there's an event, going to the event is a lot easier because I'll just go right after I go grocery shopping. Yeah. But if I'm just going out to meet people that I don't know, then there's some trepidation about that. Mm. And that makes that kind of hill to get up to go out harder yeah because you got to get to know the people at the accj while i was still a member yes and so i went you went to several events with me and i had ulterior motives for going i was helping to develop the company here in nagoya establish but an the office. reason that you really liked it though is you felt like it could be a good base for you to make friends yes which is why we still continue to pay privately for you to go yes so there's some so for me in Nagoya there is over 60 meetup groups if you look at the app meetups. Right. And now the reason why I don't go to meetups cuz I completely believe in meetups. I think they're amazing. I think it's an amazing app. I love the concept. 
um, when it when it first hit Japan, that's when we went to meetups when they were first starting. There was only like three groups in Nagoya. So gosh, that was like seven years ago. Yes, there was meetups and there was internations, and I, I know internations still sends you things occasionally, but yeah, they don't really have a lot going on. I think there's a um, not a schism because it's not any animosity, but there's a difference between people who are here only temporarily and people who are here permanently. Yeah. And, or long-term. Or long-term. And not all groups can accommodate that. And I think that the purpose for being here can kind of affect what you expect. So because we're permanent residents, I like meeting people. If you're only here for two or three years in Nagoya and you know, you want to meet me just, send us an email or whatever but it's hard to pony up the energy to develop a friendship knowing somebody is going to leave in 18 months yeah unless there's an activity because i know that for rasta he's really big into D dungeons and dragons yeah and he has a there's a local bar that hosts a, a monday night game that he goes to and I think two of the the players in the group are probably leaving in a year or two. And for him, because they meet to game, it's not a big deal. It's just like, okay, we've got to make sure that we're, you know, having more people come in. And there are several local board gaming groups that meet to play board games in English. And then there are also the kind of mixed groups where it's English speakers and Japanese speakers. And so... I think it depends on the purpose. If you're meeting for an activity, I think it's less important how long the people are here. You can enjoy the moment. Yeah. And for me, now what prevents me from doing meetups is that I run in, I would run into clients. Mm-hmm. And so when meetups were just starting, it was such a small group that if I had gotten in and stayed in that group, then the way that I run my practice and my rules of therapy would be like, if I'm in a group and I belong to the group and you then join the group after me, you join being aware that I'm a part of that group. Right. But if I seek to join a group and there's a client already a member of that group, then I don't join. Right. And most of the the meetups in Japan have that possibility, the potentiality of a client being there. And because I never confirm nor deny anyone's my client, I find that it's easier to just not try and join these groups. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I like joining closed groups rather than open groups. Right. Because closed groups allow me privacy and with my behavior in the group and also allow clients to have a legit way of saying that they know me other than as therapist. Right. And I've been here, you know, for quite a while, over 10 years. So just knowing me doesn't say that you're my client. No, we're well, and we're I have well a social known life. In, yeah. among the English-speaking community of Nagoya. So. Yeah. And I'm well known among the Japanese-speaking community because I work with the Child Guidance Center, which is yeah. the Japanese Child Protective Services. I work with several ward offices. I've testified in criminal court, and I know several family lawyers. So the Japanese-speaking community kind of knows who I am. Right. And... They refer to me, and so I do work with Japanese nationals, mm-hmm. um, and I have Japanese nationals as friends also. So I feel like I have a good social and 
business awareness of me in both communities, right. both the national community and the foreign community. So knowing me doesn't say anything to anyone no. other than you've met me once before the time that you're seeing me. How do you feel about your profile? I feel like I have a really high profile in Nagoya. I feel like my profile is is high among long-term residents, but okay. not, not as high among recent people who only arrived recently. No matter yeah, I feel whether that way they, too. Yeah. Whether they plan to stay a long time or not, if they're recently here, they might not know me. Yeah, I agree. So I find that a lot of people know of me through you. And that's why I think of you as having a high profile. Because a lot of people will come and see me and they'll be like, hey, I know your husband. I went to local university. I'm an officer in the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. You know, I, I, do a, I, I taught at one of the local schools. I think a lot of people know me in from one of many ways. Yeah. And I'm visually distinctive. Yeah, because so, of the beard. Yes. So people who meet me generally remember meeting me. So you like to say that you have a ZZ Top beard? I don't like to say it. I have to say it because I'm a truth teller. No, you're not a truth teller. (laughs) Liar. Liar. Your beard comes mid-chest. Yes, it does. Mid-chest. Yes. No, not bottom of chest. Mid-chest. Yep. Above areoli level when you're standing up. And so ZZ... Unless I look down. (laughs) And a ZZ Top beard, you're creating the expectation in me at least that it goes down to your belly button. Yeah, but you know where my beard goes. But I feel like it's false advertising for people who are about to meet you. I do not describe you as having a ZZ Top beard. I describe you as looking like Santa Claus before he went gray. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because you have like the rosy cheeks and the sparkle in the eye and the big round belly. Yes, thank you for that. big round belly too i love our bellies (laughs) you grew up in alaska yeah see you're from the north pole (laughs) no north pole was was 20 miles away from where i lived yeah okay that 20 miles makes a difference to us lower 48ers not at all there's a city called north pole and the main road in the north pole is santa claus lane and santa claus house is there yeah, so maybe you were incognito with those 20 miles because you didn't want people bugging you during the off-season. So, and if you send a letter to Santa Claus, the post office actually delivers it there. Hmm, nice. So when I was in high school, one of the activities we did when I was a senior in high school was we answered letters to Santa. Mm-hmm. So, did you answer them nicely? Yes. Did you tell them why they might not get what they want? Yes, we were instructed not to promise them anything they had asked for, mm-hmm. but just to you know, compliment them on whatever they said they had achieved. And I forget, there were guidelines to it and they were not sent out before being checked. Mm, Yeah, I think that's a good thing, an important thing. So along with the open group stars, some closed groups, I don't think you belong to any closed groups. I have some writing groups that are closed, but, but they're virtual. They're not in person. Okay. For me, I don't belong to any virtual closed groups. I used to. Mm-hmm. I used to belong to a closed hereditary corporal. Porfir- they weren't hereditary corporal. They were just porphyria. Yeah. A closed porphyria group. And, and I I'm, belong to that one too. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not as active in it anymore. And so like I tried to find it the other day because it was a, a Yahoo group. Right. And it's, I couldn't find it. So I don't know if that group even still exists. Um, and the group that I think 
I'm so I belong to several close groups. I belong to the Foreign Women in Business Japan, mm-hmm. and that's a group for women who own businesses in Japan. And the group comprises of members that live all throughout Japan on several of the islands and all of that. So and it's, it's a well named group. Yes. <laughs> And I really enjoyed them. And I think, you know, some of the members. Yeah, I know quite a few of the members. Yeah. And I, a, a lot of them are associated with the ACCJ as well. So. Yeah. And the reason I don't have any, I have friendly relations with a lot of, most of the women in the group. The reason why I wouldn't consider any of them close friends of mine is because we never see each other in person and we don't talk outside of the group. Mm-hmm. So for me, I consider a close friend somebody that if I've met them in a group, that I would see them one-on-one and that we communicate outside of the group. How are you defining close friendship? Gosh, I don't know. Because for you, it's not frequency because your closest friend here, how often do you guys see each other? Like once every couple months or so? A couple times a year. Yeah. So how are you defining close friend? I feel like... mm, Close friend is more about the past history and shared experience mm. and the expectation of future experience and then to character. Because there are people I associate with who I think have um, despicable characters. And if you're one of the people I associate with, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy you hate. Um <laughs> That's so ominous and dark. That took a dark turn. <laughs> I don't think anyone hates you. No, no. I'm saying that that I'm whoever I'm talking about, if if you're listening, I'm talking about the person you don't like when I say that there are some people. Uh, okay. So you're saying that your friends alert you to who the despicable people are. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I don't have so the people I'm friends with that I think of as friends. We don't talk about other people. Yeah, like, we, don't, we don't talk about other people in the group. We don't talk about other people in Japan. We don't usually either. I'm not saying that I talk with people about other people. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that because of the ACCJ, I sometimes see people who I don't consider friends mm, Okay. outside of the context of that group. Mm, okay. And so you think some of the ACCJ members are despicable people is what you're saying? I'm not necessarily saying that because I also see a lot of people from the various universities. Okay. You're saying that in Nagoya, some despicable people live here. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I could rock with that. Yes. <laughs> I feel really fortunate because I don't feel like in any of the private groups that I belong to that there are any despicable people. And I feel like I belong to some really, really lovely groups because I belong to Blacks in Japan. Black women in Japan, black creatives in Japan, mm-hmm. black nerds in Japan. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme too. So the the black, black noun in Japan. Yes, black mommies in Japan, naturals in Japan. So most of the groups that I really love and have close relationship in are groups for blackness, groups for black folks, and for me, it's. It's what you were saying. It's having that something other than being foreign in common. Right. So I have lots of friends who are not black, but the majority of my friends are black. Right. And I'm not biased. I, wel- I welcome everybody as a friend. And I'm open 
to anyone. It's just turned out that the long-term residents that I've known for years and years and years all happen to be black. Mm -hmm. And we all belong to this group. And I think it's easier in these groups because we have like movie viewing parties. We have nights out at the club. We have, there's like so many more events than the other groups I belong to. So I belong to like foreigners in Japan, foreigners in Nagoya, hello Nagoya. Right. And those groups don't tend to have as many events. No, they're more information. So like uh, foreigners in Nagoya is mostly people coming on and asking, where can I find this resource? Yeah. And then somebody who knows, some often it's me, I tend to answer questions in that group, will say, here's where you can find that resource. Yeah. Here's how you do this thing. You know, whether it's how do I throw away a couch or, you know, how do I tell the government that I've moved or whatever. Yeah. And so I find that the groups with Black Plus Noun in Japan, I find that they're are just more events there's more like afro events mm-hmm. and then there's more viewing events there's like during hanami season there's always a couple of so cherry blossom viewing season there's always a couple of hey let's go to the park and hang out under the blossoms and what i like about the groups is even though you're not black you're welcome to do like a cherry blossom viewing or a viewing party or a night out to like listen to jazz there are some things that you're not invited to, and those tend to be the Black women events, and that's because it's a safe space for Black women to just embrace our Blackness and our femaleness. And so it is only open to women from who have Blackness in them. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, that feels exclusionary, this, that, or the other. And I'm like, In a literal yeah, sense, it, it is. is exclusionary. Yes. <laughs> it is exclusionary, but it's about having a safe space. And so for me, it's just, I don't know, there's just this ability to just like relax mm-hmm. and not have to worry about anything and just be. I mean, for me, if we were going to invite people over to our home, I'm not inviting all their friends to. Yeah. It is very much like that. So, you know, I don't have any issues with not being invited to those events because I think that I try my best to be unbiased, but that doesn't mean that other people, one, know that, Mm -hmm. and two, are convinced of that, and three, are comfortable with that. So for me, it's not them worrying about you that I've experienced is that we're triggered to behave in certain ways. And so growing up black, I was triggered or socialized. I say triggered because for me, I was socialized and now I'm triggered. Okay. So when I didn't listen to my socialization, I had racist things happen Mm, to me. So when What I was socialized to when I was younger was to be really aware that you must always represent black excellence when you're in mixed groups because you may be the only blackness that those people come in contact with. Oh, yes. You are the diversity. Yes. I'm the diversity and understand that they're going to believe that you represent the monolith that is blackness, even though blackness is not a monolith in my own family. We're so diverse in how we express our blackness. And so that when I didn't believe that when I was younger is I wanted to talk to people about the difficulty of being mixed. Right. And 
I was the only person that wasn't white in the discussion. And after the discussion, none of those people talked to me again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, snap. This is what they mean. Like, don't ever think that you can be real. And that created a bias in me and a trigger that I have worked to overcome the bias, but the trigger is still there. Like, I'm not sure, like, do they want the realness? Right. You know, can we be really real? I think that's what I was saying earlier about getting the energy, getting over that energy hump. Yeah. I think that you have to trust people a certain amount to open up about some things. Or just open up about it to everybody. Yes. And, you know, nobody wants to be the cause of other people being socially uncomfortable. Yeah. Some people are perfectly willing to be that cause to to accomplish other things. And I feel like there's enough open groups that the black women in Japan aren't really taking anything away from anyone. No. It's not like if there was, you know, a white man in Japan group. Like, Shout out to all my fellow queens. <laughs> <laughs> love you girls. Love my sisters. The, Sorry I wasn't saying African American. Please forgive me. Y'all know I say I'm black. Working on it. <laughs> well, and a black woman in Japan doesn't just include Americans. Right. So African American would be categorically wrong for most of the members. Yes. <laughs> and so I refer to myself as as black because... I just do, but I understand that I am African-American, and if you know an American, please, please know that African-American is the correct and polite term unless they tell you otherwise. So I think we always have to call people what they wish to be called because I don't know how I would feel if people were, I guess I do. I don't mind if people call me black. Yeah. Because that's how I identify. And I don't mind if people say African-American. Like, those two are both okay for me. That's not the case for everyone. To catalyze that B for you. Yeah. And so, for me, I feel like I'm black because I come, I have ancestors that come from Africa. Mm-hmm. Deepest, darkest Afri- Africa. And I love that about my heritage. I feel like it gives me a superpower. And I absolutely love it and enjoy it. It's just, it makes me, it's all the things that are most beautiful about me. And some people might think that that's a biased thing to say, but I've earned the right to enjoy my blackness. And I think that's so sad that I had to earn the right to enjoy it. Well, I think saying that it's a biased thing assumes that there's a default and that the default is not black. Yes. And so I do think that the other aspects of my I, my heritage are beautiful too because I feel like a beautiful person. I love my ancestry. I yeah. love my heritage. I'm good with it. I don't have any issues. Like, I'm proud to be Norwegian. Right? Yes. Like my grandma was Norwegian. She made us Fadiman cookies for Christmas. She spoke Norwegian. She spoke English too, to be clear. But she spoke Norwegian as her native language and had Norwegian books in the house and read to us about the Norwegian trolls. So I'm proud to be Norwegian. But I'm not proud to be white because that's like not really an identity in and of itself. Yeah. So anyways, we digress. Race is another. We always digress. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, digression is our jam. But we're going to do a different podcast about yeah. race in Japan because it's different than being black in Japan is very different than being black in the United States. It's like being Norwegian in Japan is very different than being yes. Norwegian in the United States. So another 
there's a couple of other groups I want to give a shout out to. Nagoya Friends is an absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing group. And the reason why I sing its praise so much is because when our son was 18 Mm -hmm. and wanting to transition from a go lifestyle because his the majority of his social life between I want to say 12 and 16 was a go club, whether it be the Ego Boon, the go club at Nagoya University, or the Kiin, which is a go club um, in yeah, Japan. Private, private yeah, owned. private owned. I feel like for up to 12 to 16, so I know I said 18, but I want to redirect, not thinking about it, it's 16. At 16, he was able to hang out with um, Nagoya Friends and Nagoya Adventure Club, and nothing shady went on, right. and nothing bad happened to him. And so for me, they're very near and dear to my heart because there was a significant age gap for him mm-hmm. in most of the participants. But they're all such good people that age doesn't matter because they're not out doing nefarious things. Well, they're doing like good, wholesome activities that any anybody can be a part of. Yeah. So, so I, they're very inclusive. Yeah. They're very inclusive and a lot of people bring their kids to them. So yeah. I don't think the opposite of that is necessarily nefarious. <laughs> Because I know there are several groups where the focus is really going out and drinking. Yeah, and his mainstay group, his main group of friends from, gosh, I want to say 16 to 19, he met through meetups. Right. And they were having a serious talk meetup where they would go, they would watch a film and then talk about the political and social implications of Mm. it. He's a very serious-minded kid. I think graduating college at 16, he still had that, wanting that collegial conversation and and deep thinking going on. So that's why I love Meetup so much. And that's why I love Nagoya Friends so much and Nagoya Adventure Club. Because while I didn't go to those things with him, he was so safe in those environments. And I think having safe environments is cool. He still does... Um, some of the events, but not so much because mm-hmm. now he's he's busy with his D and D and dating. Yeah. D&D so what do you... <laughs> So what's your thoughts about like Nagoya Adventure Club and Nagoya Friends? Shout out, guys! We love you. Oh, I think it's great that that people invest the time and energy to kind of organize these things for themselves and for other people. Yeah. So I haven't gone to any of the events just because I have mobility problems and then i've always had time management problems where <laughs> i think with the accj the you're busy That's i think the accj fills up your dance card it's part of my time management problems yes. <laughs> all the lunches and everything yeah and when i was in university that was really busy so yeah I, you know i did a, a number of things through that but that was mostly with japanese students mm-hmm. so because most of the students were japanese so yeah and we hung out with professors of yours and those right. kinds of yeah. things. So I feel like my social life has been as rich and as diverse as um, in Japan as it was in the United States. I think the major difference between my social life right before we left the United States versus my social life now is that my social life were all parents of kids that went to the same school as Rasta. Yeah. I didn't have any, because when we got married, all of our friends were single and they didn't really, like my female friends especially, didn't really transition to me being married well. Mm -hmm. All of them were still like coming into our family home without a bra on. And that was really challenging for me or wearing mini skirts or wanting me to go out drinking. And I was just at like a very different place. Yeah. And 
you know, because I still partied a lot and went clubbing a lot until Rasta was probably in the first or second grade. And then I just kind of got so involved because school felt like it really ramped up. And so I had to be more present in the day and more aware of never being hungover during the week and all of those things when he was younger. I could be hungover during the week and nobody really knew that I was hungover during the week. And in kindergarten, I feel like nobody really knew. Although kindergarten, they were starting to like notice that sometimes I was hungover. Not that I was a drunk or anything, but you know, it happened a couple of times a month. Yeah. And so people started looking at you funny and schools are a trip. Schools will call Child Protective Services on you in a heartbeat for, like, the most mundane, ridiculous things. So I was like, okay, I don't want to be dealing with Child Protective Services. Because, like, the one time they called us in. Yeah, they didn't call They didn't call Child Protective Services. They but they were us. about to if we didn't give them the right answers. Yeah, so the school psychologist called us in. And it's really serious. We have a serious matter with Rasta. We need you to come to the school as soon as possible. Please return this call as soon as possible. Three times we got that message on our phones. So we returned the call. In one day. <laughs> returned the call and said, can you tell us what this is about? No, I'm afraid you're going to have to come down here. So we're... It's a really serious matter that we need to discuss in person. You know, we're, we're headed down there just wondering, like, did he damage his hands permanently playing wall ball or, you know... <laughs> Yeah, did he get in a fight? Yeah, what happened? And he had been doodling, I think, and one of the other students had kind of told on him. Not kind of, had completely told on him. Okay. For doodling. And so he had doodled a monster next to a stick figure. Yeah. And then... (laughs) Said, person who tells. Person who tells. (laughs) Over the stick figure. And then... A monster all by itself, and the monster was saying, yum. (laughs) And then, it was a series of pictures, and then in the next picture, it said monster, and then the stick figure was in the belly of the monster, and it said person who tells, and they were yelling outside of the monster's stomach, help, help. Yeah. And then there was another, I think there was a third figure with just the monster, and no stick figure, and that was very ominous to them. They were like, are you aware that... Were you aware that Rasta's so violent? And I was just like, it took everything I had. I was so good. I was so proud of myself in that meeting. You should be proud of yourself in that meeting. Because I was like, no, we weren't. And we're very concerned about it. We're going to take this very seriously. This is completely unacceptable. And we ensure that he will never do this again. And what consequences do you, you think he should have at the school level? And they gave him Saturday school for that. Yes. It's completely ridiculous. So those kinds of incidents like really took our life in a different direction in terms of how we were living. Yeah, I think so. Because I think that type of incident, because that wasn't the only incident with that school. You know, we had incidents about his hair. Yeah. And it just became clear that it was a pattern. Yeah. And so we really had to always be the best, the best version of ourselves because before that school, we had incidents with um, teachers you know, with him correcting teacher spellings and then teachers right. picking on him. So it just felt like Rasta really needed us to be present at a different level. Yeah. And so our life really became more Rasta-centric, where he was the center of the universe, well, yeah, which he... all kids should be the center of the universe. I think when he was younger, he didn't notice. <laughs> 
when he wasn't the center of the universe because we could strap him in a stroller well, I and think he didn't really care what we were doing behind pushing him. I think he's always entertained himself. Yeah, we've been very lucky with that. And when he, he was put in a situation where he was basically punished for entertaining himself when he was bored yeah rather than looking to other people to entertain himself yeah then that wasn't a long-term tenable situation yeah so we love the schools rasta went to nothing bad to say about them even though we kind of just did <laughs> no hate we're not hating um so for me i feel like now with now that Rasta doesn't live in our home anymore, the level of privacy we have and the freedom of choices we can make, I just I'm not into drinking anymore. So I don't yeah. and so any group or, or club or membership that is focused on partying mm-hmm. and drinking being the activity that bonds everybody, I'm just not into that. Well and it's always been bad for both of us physically. Yeah, because my porphyria and my lupus, like, I really shouldn't drink, didn't stop me for a lot of years. Yeah. But I find now that I'm old, I just don't have it. I don't have the resiliency. It takes me so long to recover from a hangover now. I think that's the theme. (laughs) Our social groups now are more determined by being old. (laughs) True that. True that. And not, not into drinking. Yeah. For me, I can't think of any of my friends that like to drink. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. Actually, I don't know. We just don't drink. Yeah. Huh. Like maybe, like I might, you know, get wild and crazy and have a Kahlua and milk if we're out to dinner or. Yeah. I mean, there are people I might go out to dinner with and they might have a beer or a glass of wine. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. There's another thing that I wanted to give a shout out to that I recently learned about but really haven't had experience with that i'm toying with the idea of something called hello talk where you can go on there and meet people who are trying to learn a foreign language okay and they have uh meetup groups in nagoya based on the people who live in nagoya and are on the app Mm. i you know these like these language learning things i must i still want to learn japanese i do i just want to learn it without putting any effort into it kind of thing yeah there's a critical mass these kind of things like to geek out a little bit it's called the network effect yeah the more people who belong the more valuable it is you know like um texas a&m i'm an alumnus of that and they contacted me to say hey would you be interested in meeting other people in japan who are alumni and i said yes and i never heard from them again so yeah i guess they so i'm earning my PhD, which is a topic for another uh, another episode. But my chair actually put me in touch with somebody who's like 30 miles away. And we exchanged a couple emails, but we're like, okay, we get it. We're in Japan. We're both earning our PhDs. We have the same chair. But we don't actually have time to travel that 30 right. miles to meet up we're like we're busy and we have a full life so some people think that that they can understand what the points of reference would be for friendships Mm -hmm. and i think being in japan being from the united states or being in japan and being black or those don't always guarantee that people who have those same points of reference are going to want to be friends with you i think there's time compatibility there's age compatibility there's a lot of different ways that you can be incompatible and that's okay i think it only really seems like a big deal sometimes here in Japan because you, you're not constantly meeting people. 
Yeah. And I think my friends really spoil me and that they come to me. They and do, so, yes. Yeah, I'm super, super spoiled because they're willing to come to my office so I can. Well, you have a nice space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have two different units. And I think for my friends with children, it's really nice because I have a unit that's just filled with toys. Yeah. And so they can come and we sit there and the kids just play with toys, make a mess. There's like nothing in the room. It's just a square box with toys in it. There's yeah. no furniture. Well, you see all ages, so. Yeah, so I because I when I work with the little people, it's, it's fun to let them play mm-hmm. because play is a big part of their therapy. Right. And so I have friends with kids as young as 18 months and I also not for any just that's just the age range like I'd be willing to have friends who are pregnant and with younger babies. Yeah. But the youngest the uh, youngest child right now currently of all my friends is is 18 months. But 18 months is kind of a magic age in Japan because it's the age at which they become eligible for daycare. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what they like is that I can book off like a Saturday morning before my first client and mm-hmm. say, hey, let's come hang out for two or three hours. And it's really convenient for them because we're located near a central transportation hub. And then there's like a mall and there's places to eat and there is a park. So when the weather's nice, we can hang out at the park and yeah, I, well, it's really convenient. Yeah. So I'm really spoiled. So I think for me, it's having a point of reference. And a willingness to come to me because I struggle to travel outside of the Ozoni, Ozoni area. Yeah. Um, that makes great friendships. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like a really lazy friend. I think people who are willing to work within your limitations. Yeah. So you travel to your friends. Yes. So You I, like to get out of, out of Ozoni, rather. Yeah. So I have mobility issues, but my issues affect me whether I'm going anywhere or not. Yeah, and I think your cane really helps a lot with that. It does, yeah. So uh, a lot of people see the cane and they think, whoa, your your issues must have gotten worse. And no, actually, if I don't have it, they're yeah. much worse than if I do. Because you have that, is it plantar fasciitis? I thought that it was. Uh-huh. So I my heel was hurting for several months and I thought that it was. And when but I went... you broke it? Yeah, I'd actually shattered my heel. So that's still... They tell me that I'll take a couple of years to heal. Yeah. So that's us for today. Another gorgeous ramble in the can. (laughs) Yeah. So nominally that one was about uh, social groups. Yeah. (laughs) Hope you tune back in. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the Musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.